Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I'm a principal in search of wisdom and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today I have the great honor of interviewing Alex T. Valencic, who is a professional educator, drug, prevent drug prevention specialist, youth leadership trainer, bibliophile, tabletop enthusiast, and this is the part I love the most, geek of all things. Alex T. Valencic, who are you? I am, I am, I like that last part there. It's I, I am a geek. I, I, I use the term geek very intentionally. It's me, a geek is someone who is passionate about things. And I am passionate about a lot of things. And I like to learn about other people's passions. And what happens is when they become passionate about it, they share it with me, I get that passion also. So I collect hobbies. It's like, I say sometimes it's like in that show Heroes, I was on NBC a number of years ago. There's the bad guy, Siler, who like collected people's abilities. I do that but without like the cutting open the brain and like eating and doing the bad stuff, right? So, so I, I am I'm a person who's just, I am passionate about a lot of things and I share that passion with others and that's, that's who I am. So right now, what should be the passion we should learn about? Oh, right now, I say, you know, because we're here to teach better, tabletop gaming. That's, I'm going to be presenting on that later today. Mm. And it is, it is a hobby that has just blown up all over the world in a way that's gone far beyond, you know, Monopoly and Scrabble, which is why I think when people think board games, they think about Monopoly, they think about Scrabble, they think about the family fights that break out over Monopoly. <laughs> and I've learned there are so many better games and there's ways where we can use those games to just build relationships with people. And I love sharing that enthusiasm with others. That's, I feel your energy. Thank you. That's awesome. So let's go with the question. Um, can you share with the audience of the shows uh, your professional trajectory up to this point? Yeah. So I always start my professional trajectory started when I was 13 years old I, I tell students all the time I started teaching when I was 13 because I was in a Sunday school class there were about like six or so of us our teacher never showed up and in our church building there was a library across the hall from our classroom and they had like the teacher lesson manual so I just went over and said hey I need the lesson manual for the 13 year olds and the kind sweet lady in there Sandy Quinn who had been our teacher many years she said oh yeah here you go she hands me the lesson manual I sat down I opened up and I caught my class For six months, every Sunday, I taught these 13 year olds when I was 13. And then the Sunday school president walks by and he's like, where's your teacher? And everyone's <laughs> like, Alex is our teacher. He's like, no, he's not. The next week we had a teacher who was that sweet Sandy Quinn. She, she was asked to come in and teach us. But from that, I was like, I love teaching. I knew I wanted to do it when I was in fourth grade. Mm. That cemented it for me. Wow. Graduated high school, went to the University of Illinois, got my degree in elementary education. My goal was to teach fourth grade, and that was my first full-time job. And I'm like, I did it. I met my goal. I have a whole career ahead of me. What am I going to do next? I taught fourth grade for seven years, but I pursued a degree in educational administration, got my principal certification, applied for every single job opening in the state of Illinois. Like, I think every single district got a job application from me. <laughs> I interviewed all over the place and ended up getting a job in Freeport, Illinois, to be the curriculum coordinator for 21st century teaching and learning. Wow. This huge job title, which they say, we need someone to help teachers who are doing project-based learning, inquiry, student engagement. 
did that, and then a few years later, got a new boss who said, "We want to shift the focus of your work to professional learning. We want you to be the person who helps us select who's going to come in and provide training with teachers. Who's going to help teach teachers how to present to each other, so we can build up our own professionalism within the district. So we don't always have to bring in outsiders, but we can take people in the district and say, 'You have experience.'" You have knowledge. You have expertise. It's time to get it out of your classroom and get it throughout the whole district. Yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last year and a half now, wow. and it's a phenomenal job. I get to go to conferences and come back to my district and say, "We met this person just this morning. We heard Mickey Smith Jr." and I'm like, "We need to bring him to Freeport. He's got a message. We need to hear. Let's build on that. But let's find people in Freeport who can share those same messages and get them out there also." Yes,、uh, you seem so passionate about what you do. Thank you for sharing that with us.、Uh, let's continue with like、uh, like in the way back to the future. If you could go back in time and any professional position you have held, what would be one or two things you would tell yourself to do better? I would go back to my first year of teaching fourth grade, and the first thing I tell myself is, don't bring your grading into the staff meeting. First staff meetings I went into, that's what I saw my colleagues doing, and I was like, "Oh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do." I look back and I am so embarrassed. My apologies to my first principal, Barb Sardin. Barb, if you ever watch this, I'm sorry. I never should have done that, but I didn't know any better. But I also constantly remind myself of that famous quote from Maya Angelou: "You do the best you can, and when you know better, you do better."、Yes. I knew better. Never brought grading into staff meetings again. But I also wish I told myself you were hired because they wanted you to do a job. Speak up, use your voice, and don't have to wait until you have tenure.、Yes. You don't have to wait until you're on the committees to speak up and share what you're doing. I had wanted to start clubs my first year of teaching, and my principal was like, "Let's ease into this work." But I was like, "I play chess. I want to bring chess to our school."、He、never did. But I finally got to the point. I said, "Tabletop gaming." I'm passionate about this. I want to do a tabletop gaming club in the school, and I finally got permission. And they said, "Yes, let's do it." I had dozens of kids coming into my classroom, but I wish that first year I told myself, "Don't wait, do it now," because you are a professional. Let's. They hired you to be the professional, do the work. They didn't hire you to be an apprentice to somebody else. Thank you for that's amazing, members of the audience. Uh, so, uh, reading books is like having conversations with the greatest minds. What is one fiction and one nonfiction book that you're more likely to give to someone? I would say I'll go with the nonfiction. If you ever visit my office, you will see I have bookshelves just full of books, and I have the privilege of reviewing books for Rutledge Education. And they send me books, and I I I build up the library. My to be read pile is it's a bookshelf of to be read books. But there's one book Dr. Todd Whitaker wrote called Shifting the Monkey, which I think everybody needs to read this book because it's all about the idea of. You have your job responsibilities. Others have theirs, and there are people who will put their responsibilities on you.、Yeah. It's like taking a monkey from their back, and he says they're putting their monkey on your back. You need to shift the monkey back to them. I have a lot of experience in different work. I was an instructional technology specialist. I was a fourth grade teacher. I've been on curriculum committees. So people will come to me and say, "Alex, can you help me with this technology thing?" I can, but 
we have an instructional technology coach in our district. That's his role. We have an instructional technology coordinator. That is her role. We have a technology department. So shifting the monkey saying, yes, I can help you with this, but here's a person who is, that's their main responsibility. Let's shift it back to them. Let them do their work. Trust them to do their work. I don't need to do their work for them. So that's what I recommend everyone just reading that book and recognizing it's not saying, no, I'm not going to help you. It's saying, you know, this person is hired to do a job. Let's trust them and let them do their work. Don't do their work for them just because you can't. You need to let others do their work. You can't try to do all the jobs. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Let's uh, give a praise to the Teach Better community. See, see, where are you? You are This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. So, Alex, uh, who is or who are your biggest influences? There's a lot. I always start with my fourth grade teacher, Kathy McNamara. She is the reason I knew as a 10-year-old that I was going to be an educator. It wasn't, I want to be an educator, it was, I am going to be an educator. So this is what I'm going to do with my life. She was the teacher who had taught special education, moved into a general education setting in a classroom that had funding from the Krista McAuliffe Foundation to do something that's called the Classroom of Tomorrow. In 1993-1994, it was the classroom of tomorrow. I look at it now, we did project-based learning, we did inquiry, we did student-led conversations, it was student-led learning. We would do book reports, and I remember the time when I said, I read all seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia. I want to talk about all of them, and she said, there's the stool, here's the class, go at it. She let me talk about seven books. I think I probably talked about them for like 45 minutes. My classmates were probably like, Miss Max, seriously, like make him stop. He's still talking. But she let us do it. High school, my band director, Jim Tallman, he's still teaching band at that high school. Phenomenal influence. Never once said, you can't do this. I auditioned to be part of a percussion ensemble. I play the trumpet. I sing in the choir. I have zero rhythm. He put me on a big old bass drum. He's like, you just have to hit the drum like on the quarter notes. I was terrible. He never gave up on me. He let us keep doing it. Our our ensemble, we never did any performances, but he let us explore. And he's like, it's the value of what you're doing is worth it. You don't have to have the production at the end to find value in that work. And then another influence I like to share is my graduate advisor in college, uh, Dr. Linda Kaiser Sloat. She was this, this amazing person who she told us all the time, when you have a meeting, set the parameters ahead of time. Because if you don't set the parameters, you're going to have people think that they're being asked to do something that's more than they're supposed to be doing. And then they're going to get mad when you don't. She was always like, you have to set your parameters. You have to set your parameters. Twice. If you don't set the parameters, you're going to lose your group. And that's helped me in working with teachers across my whole EC12 district. Be like, okay, before we start this work, 
here's what we've been tasked with doing. We need to stay in here. We can have recommendations to pass them on, but we've only been, only been authorized to do like this part. So we we can't change the grading system for the high school, but we can make recommendations for how we're doing the grading. So I think those three people. I know you asked me for one. Yeah, no. Hey, can I go with three? But thank you for sharing. It's just like it, the position of the educator is so important, you know. And and when we talk and reflect on those important figures, uh, uh, it's important, you know, for the people who listen to this show to realize, hey, we all had that one teacher that made a difference. I did. I was I that like that teacher today? Can we do better? And there's always a struggle for that, right? Um, let me begin with, uh, as you know, uh, to be successful, we need to be on top of our productivity. But this means different things for different people. What does it mean to you? How do you get organized and get your stuff done? Well, I mean, I am constantly evolving on this process that I get so many emails every day. I have my system of, I have dozens of labels in my inbox. If I have an email, I read it. I may not respond to it, but I read it. I don't. I never want my inbox to have like 4,988 <laughs> unread messages because when I get a new message, I'm not even going to realize there's a new message because there's so many unread ones. But if I haven't responded to it, if I haven't taken care of whatever that message is, it doesn't have a label. When it's been labeled, it means that I read it, I responded, I took care of it. It's labeled. It's filed away. I don't need to worry about it. But if I go through my email and go, oh, this message is, it doesn't have a label. What did I miss? I go through and go, oh, I need to respond to this person to take care of something they brought up with me. Yeah. The other thing I've started doing is I have a big old whiteboard in my office and make a list of all the projects I'm working on. And then just next time I have like, where am I in this project? Are we discussing, like brainstorming? Are we planning? Are we implementing? Are we monitoring? Are we concluded? like just to keep track of them because I've lost track of projects. There's been times when tasked with working with something and then someone follows up and says, hey, where are we at on this? And like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you were tasked with this project like six months ago. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> so writing it down and keeping track just lets me keep track of where I am. I've tried to find digital resources mm -hmm. for it but most of the digital resources are for like big teams yeah. collaborating together. And I'm like, no, I just need it for me. So you have just, it like in a journal or something? Yeah, so I just, I write it on my whiteboard, mm -hmm. which also means if someone comes in my office, they can see it. And there's that little level of accountability where they yeah. can see I'm like, why do you have all these projects that are in like the beginning stage? Why, why aren't you moving forward with them? Makes sense. Okay, thank you so much. Um, let's talk about uh, how do you, um, um, organize yourself in terms of uh, any mindful activities, exercises, healthy eating, anything that you want to share with us? Exercise, I'll say, is definitely something I could do better at. Uh, I used to ride my bike to work every day. I lived in Champaign, Illinois, which Champaign is a French word. It means a wide open flat land. I could ride my bike six miles to work in 30 minutes because it was flat. I moved to Freeport. I tried riding my bike to work. I did it one time. I was like, Freeport has hills. Six miles of hills is not the same thing as six miles of flat land. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I was like, nope, I, I can't ride my bike to work. And I go from building to building all over. And it's like, you, you can't easily move around. So most of my exercise comes from, I have a dog. He gets walked in the morning. He gets walked in the evening. During those times, I will 
take my phone with me. I will turn on a podcast and I'll just listen to it while I'm walking the dog. And that allows me just, while I'm listening, allows me time to reflect on what I'm doing. Whereas I'm listening to what other people are doing. I'm constantly thinking, how would I respond to these questions? What would I do if I was being asked about this? And it helps ground me in what I'm doing. So I'm not sure what's going to happen when our old dog passes and crosses that rainbow bridge because I won't have that incentive to go walking every day. But... I'll figure that out when I, I get there. I have to share with you my favorite dog quote. Uh, um, it, I, I'm not even going to paraphrase it because it's perfection. Uh, let me ask you one last question. Um, what podcast would you recommend uh, to the members of the audience? There's a lot. I'm a podcast junkie. I, I admit it. I've got so many of them. But one I've started listening to most recently, I'll go with that one. It's not even an, an education podcast. It's from Michigan Public Radio. It's called That's What They Say. It is a five minutes, once a week podcast where they have a, there's the host and her guest who they take words and phrases from the English language and they just break them apart and talk about what do these things mean? Why do we use these phrases? And that's all it is. And it's just such a great way, you know, that whole like me being a geek of all things. I love to unpack language. They had a whole episode where they talked about the difference between highways and byways. We use that phrase and they're like, do you know what the history of these terms are? And they go through it in just five minutes. So sometimes we need that thing that's not specifically in our profession that just gives us those tidbits of knowledge and something to think about. And that's what they say is a podcast that does that for me. Thank you so much for sharing. It has been amazing having you in the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparim Martinez. Chulo. And I love that production. Chulo out.